Hello and good evening. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 7, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie, is over. And uh, it has been just for today, September 23rd, 2021. But we're just getting started here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm Dave Mater, coming at you with Star Trek and TV movie reviews here on Live Long and Podcast. And we got a great panel to break this all down tonight. Uh, we're missing Jamil Robinson, but we do have the other two. The three of us are here to keep this going and maybe ascend to the royal family of, of uh, what's the planet called? Um, Lysteria? Hysteria. Hysteria. Uh, um, first, uh, let's introduce my brother. We got Jeff Mater. How are you doing tonight, Jeff? Good. Uh, you know what? Uh, what's a, <laughs> what's the character's name? That's uh, the virgin in this character, in this Billups. Uh, Billings. I'm, I'm doing as well as Billups is when he's fixing a warp core coil. Right. Uh, like, who was that other guy, Salish, uh, who said, keep your pips on Billups? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, that, that bartender. Fuck, I can't remember his name now. But, oh. Uh, oh, here he is. Oh. Uh, keep your pips on Billups. <laughs> it was like uh, Otis or something. Wasn't it? it was Otis. Yeah, that's right. And uh, speaking of which, we got Jeremy Collins back watching the comments as he's been tuning in to our various podcasts. Welcome, Jeremy, and anybody listening uh or watching uh wherever that might be we're streaming here on facebook youtube and twitch and you might be listening to us on the audio version as well after the fact so uh and then we also have davin skellhorn with us from locutors of trek uh his own star trek podcast which you should check out wherever you pick up your audio podcast how are you doing tonight davin pretty good pretty good ready to That's talk about good. some lower decks so, yeah some lower decks some where pleasant fountains lie and yeah we get our first uh real feature on chief engineer andy billups uh in this episode plus we also get a side mission with uh boimler and um uh and, and mariner along with the guest star jeffrey combs back uh Weyun himself or brunt or uh shran or many other great Star Trek characters. I will produce a whole fleet of murder drones! I thought I recognized the voice, and I was like, I figured someone I knew was the supercomputer, and I was right, it was Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, I was really enjoying that character, and then I realized it was him, and I was like, oh, no wonder. He just, he <laughs> makes yeah, until, he, until he got boimed. You've been boimed. Yeah, you've been, you've been, been boimed. boimed. Sorry to tell you, Jeffrey Combs, but you've been boimed. That's okay. He'll just um, get another clone in there next week. <laughs> Wei Yoon 20? Agamus 2? Agamus 2. So let's just uh, maybe just, uh, you know, high level. Uh, what you guys um, uh, think of this episode? Let's start with Jeff. Jeff, where, where, where were you on uh, or high or low on where Pleasant uh, Fountains lie? I wasn't like super stoked by it, but at the same time, I enjoyed I enjoyed the yeah the uh, the Billups stuff a lot. Uh, I was really laughing at that, I, and I did like the the story and the narrative of um, what was going on with Boimler and uh, Mariner. At least it felt more like a a dramatic episode of of Star Trek rather than a a, uh, a regular episode of Lower Decks. If that makes sense. it felt more grounded and it felt more like there was more stakes and. I don't know, like it was very different than what I'm used to with Lower Decks. And maybe they're kind of changing up a little bit with what they're doing. But that was kind of how I felt about it. I, I uh, So, yeah, the, the build-up stuff felt more like casual Lower Decks. And uh, the Boimler stuff felt more like a almost like a departure a little bit. I don't know if you guys felt that way at all. 
Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree with you that the Boimler Mariner mission was not all just chuckles and jokes. It had some. It did feel like it had some stakes to it and some uh, some drama between Boimler and Mariner, and their relationship continues to develop. Let's go over to Davin. Uh, Davin, what, what are you thinking about uh, about this one? Uh, and I guess maybe which storyline uh, grabbed you more? I think the Boimler uh, Mariner storyline grabbed me more with Agamus because I really liked him as well. But to me, it felt a lot like an early season TNG episode where yeah. you know someone was stranded down on a planet or a couple of people, and um, someone was a turned out to be royalty or something back up on the ship. Right. I feel like that's happened a lot. Um, yeah, they do like, so yeah, they do like that, like that to me. It did. It, it did have a different vibe than a lot of lower decks episodes, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay. So let's talk about maybe the character of queen Paulana, uh, who is the mother of Andy Billups. Um, she was quite, she was basically our, she's the Lux, Luxana Troy of Lower Decks, right? To, so, I guess, so Billups is the Troy analog in this situation. And, you know, she, she's not, this is not the first time she's come to the Cerritos, uh, to try to woo her son away, uh, to become the, to, to ascend to the royal family. And to do so, he, oh, oh, sorry. Did you, yeah, sorry. I hit the button by accident. <laughs> Jeff, how, now we now share controls, Davin, with the. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, we just found it out last night because we were, we were sharing the controls and, yeah, and. Uh, it feels very Federation, not very, necessarily very Starfleet, but pretty Federation of you guys. <laughs> we're both captains very, at the end of the yeah. day. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, just this whole thing of like, uh, if he loses his virginity, he automatically becomes king. By Hyperion law, if I lose my virginity, then I automatically become king. I'd have to resign from Starfleet and take the throne. Uh, as Billups uh, tells Rutherford in this, of course, Billups played by um, Paul Shear, who's a, a a very known uh, comedic actor and voice actor, more notably on the League um, that I know him from, and. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was really good in this episode. They, like they don't, he normally his character normally doesn't have this much dialogue for sure. Um, and I, I did like the focus on his character tonight and this Hesperian culture. Oh my god, this was great. I just love this idea of a planet that is based on medieval Renaissance fair because they saw dragons there. It was dragons, and they renamed everything. Like, so I get the impression that they're not aliens, right? These are just humans who maybe have colonized a planet based on Renaissance dragons. fair. Yeah, yeah, dragons and um, and medieval, like you know, uh, what was it? Huzzah! 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 <laughs> uh, you know, my chief blacksmith. My chief blacksmith is simply baffled by the loss of power, so I don't know what you can do. Well, the I think, prince um, has returned. I think this is like a, a a kind of a metaphor for the ridiculousness of royalty and all the affairs that go with it and what comes with abdication. And, you know, there's a lot of um, things that I think you could definitely compare to the British royal family with what they're making fun of in this episode. Right. I think they're also just kind of um, poking fun at the fact that like, 
Star Trek. Remember, there was that whole planet that was based on Scotland, where Beverly Howard's like, or Be- yeah, Beverly Crusher's mother and grandmother lived, and whatever. Yeah, and every episode of the original series, it's like there's a Nazi planet, there's a Western planet, there's a gangsters twenties planet. Right. That's you know? a good episode. <laughs> a piece of the action, I tell you. <laughs> piece of the action, and so you know, like. Uh, I I just I I do it was kind of thought provoking in a Star Trek way I thought because like I'm like well what other groups of people from Earth would seek out to colonize a planet based on a certain like obsession you know what, what about like that's um, definitely one of them what could be one of them Lord of the Rings what if it was like a whole ro- a world of like uh, Hobbit people or people who love like, I assume they were on that planet they they probably go to that planet okay but something even like whatever like it, like um, the human race if it can expand out into space and colonize infinite number of colonies, you would have like planets of all kinds of different kinds of people, presumably, right? Like all kinds of different cultures. Jeremy's I think we've seen here. some, like the Rhysians are the, you know, the hedonistic people. They have went to Rhysa. Yeah, we got the hedonistic people. Uh, you know, like we know about the Scottish planet. There could be all kinds of planets. Um, and so I just thought that they were, I did find them just, well, they were a little bit distracting. Shakespearean <laughs> culture can be a bit uh, distracting. But also charming. Um, you know, and saying in the comments here, LARP world. Uh, live action <laughs> role play world. Why not? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you get all the Game of Thrones people, you get all... You get all the uh, Lord of the Rings people. You get them all in one place. Uh, and it, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, Westworld. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, what the Cowboy World is saying here. Uh, that's kind of what, yeah, it feels a little bit like Westworld here. What's what's going on with this medieval planet. That, Jeff, uh, boost up your mic a, a touch. That Phillips is from. Is that better? Say, go. Test. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of feels like a little bit like Westworld with what's going on here. Um, but in this case, it's, yeah, Renaissance World. It kind of also reminds me of that Loki episode that we got earlier, Dave, over on uh, uh, Super Bros Podcasting when we covered uh, the Loki episode where they kind of go back to 1980 and they end up in this Renaissance fair. And it's like that was like, so this has been going on for a while, you know, this whole Renaissance obsession. Oh yeah, for sure, and uh, just like the uh, the royal guards that we got to meet here, and some of the others, I guess they're federation members. Davin, uh, are they? I don't know. Because, um, well, Freeman was being sort of diplomatic, but not really diplomatic. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah. We need it. We, I guess we don't have enough information, but we do I mean, find she's out. Respecting that... her as uh, the leader of her people. But, uh, yeah, queen. She's the she. Her, she is the the head of state for them, um, and uh, and then her, uh, Andy Billups is his real name is Andar Andarithio Andarithio Andarithio. Hold on, I have I have it here. Prince Andarithio, it's such an honor to bask in your glory. Prince Andarithio has returned. Chris and Dorithio. <laughs> and it, what, what's the planet called? Hysteria or something like uh, that? Um, Hysteria? Hysteria. Hysteria. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you don't. Huzzah! <laughs> 
yeah. they had they had a, a different kind of a ship too, a ship that like and everything was named after like medieval stuff. Uh, I like what he was like. Oh, it's like the dragon uh, drive. He's like, what's that? And he's like, well, the elf. Oh, the dragon out. blood fire. The dragon blood fire. It's like we named everything after magic because <laughs> it's like our culture. And he's like, well, he, yeah, Brotherford tries to improv. He's like, don't do that. Don't. Don't try to get into it. Um, yeah. And so like th the whole thing is just the whole storyline with everything. It's kind of predictable paint by numbers, but it's also fun just because this, this culture is whatever. We don't know anything about Billups and I guess like it, it's, and it's uh Tendy's not in it a ton, but Tendy's part of this storyline more. She's more pushing Rutherford to go on this mission after uh, with, with the uh, Billups, you know, go over to the other ship and try to work on a, a warp drive. You've never worked on before a different kind of a challenge and it's outside of his comfort zone because he's used to starfleet tech i guess and uh you know and for a while we think he's dead um you know we, we thought he'd blow up even though i don't think he would go out there <laughs> that's starfleet here's I, I, here's my kind of thing like i, I with tendy i wish they would just kind of stop shoehorning her into the rutherford storylines and they would give her something else or or kind of would it's always the same trope. It's always, oh, she thought, like, in this episode, she thinks Rutherford's dead. And then she's, you know, it's always her relationship and her affection for Rutherford is, like, basically what defines her. Um, or trying to impress her boss. Yeah, mm. yeah, or trying to impress her boss, yeah. And I don't know. I just think they need to give her her own story and kind of, like, you know, develop her a little bit more. You mean the mistress of the winter constellations? Anything for you, mistress of the winter constellations. Yes. Uh, yeah, like, I get it. I I, I feel like um, as a character, she's kind of growing, but it's slow. Davin, what do you think? What if the prince of Hysperia married the mistress of the winter constellations? <laughs> so that would be Billups and Tendi getting together? All right. Jeff, yeah, you want to ship that? I mean, that's... I mean, they would be the breaker of warp coils, uh, but but I don't think it would work out because uh, what what you know, um, Billups loves his virginity as uh, as. Oh right, right. Uh, no, Billups loves his virginity. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and she's in Orion, <laughs> and she's in Orion. Yeah, they couldn't be more different in that sense, right? Mm. Whereas, uh, yeah. Billups, Billups is rule, and he had to have a threesome with uh, with with the two people to ascend to the throne. Did he have to? Yeah, I, I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't get that either. Yeah. Uh... The only lady I love is two decks tall and pumped full of dilithium. I think. I think that was just covering the bases <laughs> that was set up by the queen, and it was just like maybe he's gay, maybe he's straight. We'll give them both. See what happens. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I just like it got really like dirty in some parts of some of the lines. But <laughs> the Hesperians, uh, I don't know. I just was got I I'm still like absorbing the episode, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um it's like crawl science and magic. And then we also got Rutherford. He's saying that's his least favorite character, but I I I, I do find Rutherford quite endearing myself, uh, of these lower decks characters. Although I wish sometimes just like Tendi, there was a bit more because I feel like we are starting to give more to Boimler and to and to Mariner, and I think we should maybe that's a good segue into their storyline for this episode because uh, okay, it starts off with uh, with you know in where before they diverge really uh, in a significant way where um, 
Boimler's cleaning a phaser rifle, and uh, and Mariner asks him, "What's the difference between a phaser rifle and a normal phaser?" And he's like, uh, "You have to use two hands with a phaser rifle." Uh, is That's that what I would have said. Mariner's kind of a jerk to Boimler throughout this episode, and I think we'll get more into it but i do think that she judges him entirely on his demeanor and not his capabilities and she kind of mistakes the two i think because i do think he is capable but he's just not experienced enough which is kind of what she's saying but at the same time i think she's kind of judging him in a way that is not helpful uh you know it's, it's like with your kids you know you can't protect them from everything you you have to you, know, you have to let them scrape their knee and i think she's like trying to protect him too much and that's kind of what i see from her character in this episode yeah well we saw this big this big betrayal tonight where she got uh this big assignment which was wet what was it wet getting wet or something like it was something like wet works. a phaser rifle wet works <laughs> which uh mariner did not enjoy and you know did not like him saying those calling things. it wet works stop calling it wet works and whatever and then he gets a little text on his pad from uh from from ransom that yeah you know you've been reassigned here and this becomes a big conflict and i i do agree with boimler's point of view that you know she didn't really have a a place in this but i it's almost like she wants to keep him from succeeding succeeding getting promoted i think maybe more specifically so that yeah. he doesn't leave the lower decks yeah that and she also basically says to him in this episode that she feels that he's incapable of handling it if once he does get there and he keeps talking about the titan the titan how all the things that happened on the titan and she's just had enough of hearing it from him but at the same time i think she's a very selfish character and, and they've really showed us that throughout the series not just in this episode but um she really will sabotage other people's lives to benefit herself and she i don't know she's to me very self-centered and selfish uh of a, of a character Right. Uh, Davin, would you agree with that? Uh, the Mariner take? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's her yeah. whole issue with being in Starfleet, too, really. I mean, doesn't want to play by the rules and be a team player and that sort of thing. Um, I thought they had that episode where those two sort of headed out about the whole Titan thing. But they're they're keeping that alive because he keeps talking about it, and uh, I guess that's a good thing, though, it. right? Because like in real life, those like even though if, even if you have a conflict with somebody and even if you talk it out, it doesn't necessarily go away right away, you know. And then maybe that's a bit more realistic, more more honest to yeah. how how sometimes uh, you know just one apology or one sort of heart to heart might might not be enough to really get to the just, to the bottom of it. Just, I, just yeah. unexpected from a cartoon kind of thing. it is and it, it, this is the thing with this like show is also i do feel like mariner you know as much as she's the lead character we're not meant to love her uh you know unapologetically i think we are supposed to see her flaws i think the writers are making a very conscious effort for us to uh sometimes kind of see her as a hey like uh, i don't know about all that you know I think your your motivations are 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 selfish in this instance, and and I I think that's smart. I think you know because then if they don't do that, then we're only gonna like side with Mariner in most of the storylines, 
and, and Boimler's just a doofus. Who yeah, can't do and anything. and we and like they're doing a very conscious thing here of making sure that Boimler has a chance to shine in multiple moments and kind of maybe a different way of thinking. Mariner is going to get you out of this. You're not the super smartest person on every mission, and and you need to realize that. Right. Well, in this in this particular mission that they get on to, so like there's uh, in the cold open, there was just this whole thing where we, we get to meet the Jeffrey Combs, um, the character, the, the evil computer that he plays is called Agamus, 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 sorry. Okay. Sorry, my Alexa. No, no. So um, anyway, so. <laughs> I said the C word and, uh, and, and when my Alexa went off. Um, and so, yeah, the, we, 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 we got to, uh, it was like basically controlling this alien civilization and it was ruling over them much like, it was kind of like a, like what a lot of times with Kirk in particular would come through. He's like, yeah, it was running an army full of murder drones. And now we're going to take it basically to, uh, the Daystrom Institute to put it into evil computer prison. Right. So that's that's the mission that uh, Boimler and Mariner get put on in this episode. They get they have to uh, you know basically it's a, kind of like a tr a prisoner transport story, where they're kind of taking this prisoner. In this case, it's a, a evil computer um, uh, played by Jeffrey Combs, um, and, uh, <sighs> and and bring it through. But they they crash their shuttle almost right away and end up on this planet, um, you know, in typical Star Trek shipwrecked fashion where we're going along and then we're hit by something ah oh, brace for impact oh we're not gonna make it okay we made it and crash and the shuttle doesn't work anymore and nothing works anymore um they do have some rations but they get eaten by like some kind of an animal and uh and all they can get is uh is black licorice from the replicator Gross. good thing the replicator's still intact computer iced tea splash of lemonade cold black licorice dry Great. The least nutritious food that tastes the most like poison. Yeah. Do either of you guys like black licorice? Um, no. I like real black licorice. I don't like like the fake sugar one. You know? Okay. Yeah, I do. I, licorice is not a flavor I enjoy. And so I'm with, I'm with uh, this. If I was stuck on a planet that could only replicate black licorice, no good. Our father and, loves and grow, And grow fruits with juice that tastes like black licorice like licorice which i guess would be like you know because fennel say like fennel i kind of yeah. like in like in some like dishes fennel. yeah but licorice as a candy or as a flavor no that is not a flavor i would like jeremy's all for it so he's okay with the replicator uh going being only right. dry <laughs> licorice um um but if you do like it uh david what what would be your worst case scenario for uh something the replicator could only make Oh, I don't like it. Mine's black licorice. That's terrible, man. Yeah, it's like fennel Jeff mixed with like shoe polish or something. I've had like the real stuff where it's like you know the the more raw stuff, and then you put it in dishes or whatever. It's pretty good. But um, the the, the yeah the, the what she gets the the black licorice string. I'm not a big fan mm. of. It's very chalky, and uh, oh, I wouldn't eat it at all. Um, yeah. Did you notice, Dave? Though the name of the shuttle tonight? No, Ooh. Yosemite. Oh, which, wow! Which is kind of cool because it's a national park in California. Which yeah, and a yeah. ship we've seen before. The shuttlecraft Yosemite. It didn't do so well. Um, 
I think it got it got abandoned here. But yeah, like I did find that this this shipwreck story pretty good. Um, you know, just in terms of like the tension between Mariner and Boimler that was building. I, I th- first I thought it was they were on the planet with Khan, or like this was going to be like SETI Alpha Five or something like that. <laughs> but it wasn't that. Um, and then there was, was like they, better. They they are consistent with like but who like who Mariner is like because Mariner can be like in a shell crash and break her arm and just pop it back in. I'm okay. It's just a fracture. Uh, just? Oh God! I can't even look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you know like she says, boom, boom. I can do whatever. But I think that this this storyline did a good job of showing that she's got her strengths and her weaknesses, and so does he. Right. You know, like all uh, people do. Like all people do. Yeah. And so, and like, I guess the whole thing with like, um, with the evil computer, the Agamus played by Jeffrey Combs, it's like, you know, the temptations like, what? just hook me up to your things. Hook me up to your replicators. I'll fix whatever you want. And she's like, no, don't do that. No, (laughs) don't do that. You know, like, she's like, why don't we just bury him in the sand or something? He's like, no, we can't do that because we're Starfleet and it's a sentient life form and we have to treat him right. But eventually they do bury him in the sand, right? But the crabs (laughs) dig him up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then there's that whole reveal where he finds out that you know she got him reassigned, uh, because you know he, Jeffrey Combs's character is you know trying to find out whatever he can. He got a little bit of the information from the pad, and then he uses that against them to sort you know. And then it, he stuns Mariner. He phasers her, you know, it, it, like uh, when she acting, but it turns out to be a ruse. Uh, or a boim, if you will. You've been boimed. Uh, when he when he turns around, he turns the tables on them, and he he gets um, he gets the Agamus, the Jeffrey Combs character, to kind of do the dirty work for them. You know, and uh, I, I I think it's a it's a it's it's not a very complicated story, but I do I do think it was good for these two characters maybe to go on it and kind of have further growth. Uh, and then we got they got this really weird fun crazy story with billups and like his backstory and where does the world he comes from and grew up in which is renaissance fair and larp world and things like that (laughs) yeah uh what if the guys i was thinking about that that storyline what if they given tendy the rutherford storyline and rutherford the tendy storyline tonight i think that would have been better i think if rutherford was worried that tendy had been blown up i think they should have they should have swapped the roles of the characters tonight that Tendi breaks in and, uh, you know, stops uh, Billups from having sex. And I think it would have worked better. I think they try, they they give Rutherford the A storyline wait, and give Tendi the B stuff way too much. And I think they need to stop that. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you there. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, well, Tendi, Tendi like, like I, I really liked the story where Tendi and Mariner went on their side quest. And I think that's probably the best storyline we've had from Tendi so far in my opinion the rest of it you know the one where she turned into the scorpion last week and everything was fine uh but it's kind of it's it's not oh, I, I think her, the strongest her orion one is that the one you're talking about no, no. Last, yeah last week uh, she that was became, a good one yeah the orion one was pretty good because... that's the one with that's the one with mariner i'm referring to where she like had oh to go, it was okay. you know like let's talk like a pirate and she was the 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 mistress of the winter constellations yeah. and all those definitely things. her best one yeah, uh, it's like. Isn't Orion thing? It actually makes me really uncomfortable. 
Yeah, she doesn't like talking about it. So, you know, maybe that's the thing um, holding her back because, yeah, she's like the first Orion character, but that's also sort of a, 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 a um, or I guess Starfleet character that's a main character. She's perfectly comfortable talking about it when she's on Orion or with other Orions. But yeah, I can understand her not being comfortable. Like kind of like Worf isn't super comfortable all the time talking about his Klingon heritage with humans or other people within the Federation because it is awkward. Yeah, it's got to be way more stereotypes against Orions too. Oh, well, yeah. even Mariner was using those, some of those stereotypes in that uh, season one episode. He's like, "Yeah, you're a pirate. Come on, embrace it." She's like, "Well, that's not." Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy's just asking, like the whole scene where Boimler stunned Mariner. Right? Was that too extreme? Because the stun no. setting could still be fatal. No, I, th- I think do she do to him. Would, she would do it to him, and I think she kind of had a comment in this episode. Yeah, even with a broken arm. Yeah, just a fracture. Yeah, uh, I think it's only fatal if you put the stun setting right up to the head, right? That's the only time I've known stun to be fatal. Yeah, Like when Valeris killed those two guys in Star Trek VI. There are also different settings of stun. But yeah, I think it's kind of like as much as, uh, as a stun gun can be fatal, yes, it could stop your heart. I mean, I think, yeah, sometimes it's maybe it's justified. Maybe it's... Uh, you know, in this case, maybe not like what he did was, you know, but he 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 wanted to prove to her that he could save the day and and, and he didn't need her help and that, you know, he, he was capable. That was the whole point. And and he and he did prove her wrong. And, um, and I think she she learned something from that. And he was willing to stun her. I think she likes that. She would she would respect that. Yeah, like well, at first, like, but before we get the reveal, were you like, what did you think before that? Do you think Boimler's just becoming unhinged, or did you kind of see this coming where he was gonna say it was, you know, it was a ruse? I think that's what made the show good tonight because you know it made you wonder, it made you go, oh, is he going kind of crazy here? Is he just had enough of Mariner and her attitude, or is he trying to be more capable? And yeah, I think it was very clever writing tonight uh, for Boimler. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, we've I, seen that from Boimler in a few episodes where he'll, once he figures out uh, like a solution to the problem, he'll do it no matter what it is. And we've seen him save the day a few times by doing crazy things. You've been boimed. You've been boimed. We've seen a few <laughs> boims. Yeah. And we will see many more boims in the future. Bradford himself. Yeah. Seven seasons, I'm predicting. It seems like. That would be fitting. <laughs> that would be fitting for a start. Yeah, Seven start seasons at Ensign. Um, but that's like the whole... <laughs> like, the, 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 where does the name of this episode come from? Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. What does that mean? I don't know. It just made me think of parks. It's like, oh yeah, parks. I think... You put nice I think it has to do... I think it's a sex reference, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a sex reference? I don't know. That's That's... That's where I got. Oh no, you know it's a, probably a uh, Ren Fair kind of uh, a Renaissance Fair thing. Yeah, like they're in like a fantasy world where pleasant fountains lie, that type of thing. Okay, okay, yeah, I guess it's a reference to. The, oh, the... do you know what it's a reference to? What? White Plains, New York. There's a place called Renaissance Plaza, and yeah, you know, and it's where they have um, all these fountains. So okay, I, okay. I think... So that's kind of what it's based off of is there's all these fountains in this Renaissance Plaza 
in White Plains, New York. So it's, that's where, you know, maybe whoever wrote this is from White Plains. So the, ep the episode writer is Derek Bernard. Is uh, he from White Plains? That I don't know. Uh, I don't. So Garrett Bernard only he wrote of the first season episode titled Veritas, which was season, the eighth episode of that season. Mm -hmm. um, and we 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 liked that one pretty good. Uh, what can we say about Garrett Bernard here? Uh, Veritas. Well, I can Veritas bring means truth. So he's even got a photo on IMDb. Here we go. This is the writer. Uh, doesn't tell me much about where he's from other than he was known for foxes, lower decks and solar opposites. And that's about it. I don't know. Maybe he's from white plains. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think we're through the story though. Like <laughs> I don't have a lot of other questions in terms of what we saw tonight. Um, Do you guys have have any? Um, I, I don't know. We could talk a little bit about Jeffrey Combs and the supercomputer, and like I don't know. He was. We haven't really talked a lot about him, but he was a little, very good in, you know, some of his little moments tonight. Where like, yeah, like he where he showed the um, Boimler the thing with Mariner. Where um, at the end, where he's bitching with the other supercomputers that are in prison. I don't know. Just I thought. You know, shout out to Jeffrey Combs on this. Uh, when, when the moment when he gets into the into the computer or whatever, and yeah, like this whole image that you're showing with him on top of all the skulls and the drums. Yeah, and, I don't and know, everything. Clip, I, I just thought it was I already clever. played it once, but here I will produce a whole fleet of murder drones. <laughs> a whole fleet of murder drones. Another great Jeffrey Combs character. I put him right above that guy who wanted the creepy hologram of Kira. Yeah. No, he was he was uh, he he was fun. I thought his like you know his little uh, things, and then there was Queen Polana. Do you think we'll get Queen Polana again? She was as played by June Diane Raphael, who is not a name I know off the bat. Um, if we get seven seasons, I'm gonna say yes. If she's so, she is actually the wife okay. of Paul Shear in real life. Oh, okay, so that makes sense. Oh, that's another reason she's gonna be back. Oh yeah, she'll be back. She'll be back. Yeah, no, and it makes sense to, to to do that with. Uh, so yeah, she's playing his mom, which is kind of funny. That's that was. Which funny. is exactly why my mom is always trying to trick me into having sex. Right, which oh is God. probably an in joke within the cast, you know. <laughs> and, and so yeah, they had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Uh... Mother, and the people and who you're planning on tricking me into intercourse? Think again. The only lady I love is two decks tall and pump full of dilithium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul Shear is great as this character. Um, really enjoy him as Billups. Uh, he's unapologetically enthusiastic about everything he does. And the whole thing tonight where it's like, oh, he's, he was going to go through with it just to kind of like, I don't know, appease his mother and, and, and which is very um, common with sons that like, you know, leave or advocate or whatever they do and they come back and then they feel guilty. I think that's kind of like all the stereotypes that they're playing off here. And um, and, and it makes sense. It's, again, very kind of uh, grounded. This episode is more grounded than most. He felt like an obligation yeah. to return to his culture or to his people, um, the Hyperians, uh, to take up the, you know, I just like, okay, in the whole scene, 
the, the maybe the best joke of tonight was uh, when Rutherford's like, no, we have to save his virginity. No, Phillips loves his virginity. And then he goes, uh, <laughs> he goes, where's Philip? Did his kingdom come? Huh? Where's Phillips? <laughs> Did his kingdom come? Yeah, that's a good joke. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, to hear that. He, was having, he, he needed to get warmed up. Yeah, you know, he's like, I couldn't get it going. And, uh, you know, he was, yeah, he had a re- erectile dysfunction, I think. But turned out to work out for him. He was happy just to. There was like there was that uh, a throwaway line I think in the first episode of, in Second Chances uh, in season one where I think it's the uh, the Trill character, the one that Rutherford was dating. Uh, she's like, "Oh, Andy Billups talking to women is that guy's final frontier." But that, it kind of makes <laughs> sense that he's been avoiding having sex because so he won't have to ascend to the royal family of a Renaissance fair LARP people. <laughs> I can tell, see if you were like wanted to be in Starfleet, that that kind of world would probably drive you crazy. Yeah. And that they don't, they, they look down on it. They're like, we don't need you as a prince, Phillips. We need you as an engineer. <laughs> engineer. Well, mother, you can try to get me to eat all the mud and you can, I can find into, what was the other part? Oh yeah. Live in a castle with pet dragons. But uh, you have to accept it. amounts of mutton. Yeah, I just like you have to accept that I'll be a virgin for the rest of my life, and she's just like, "Oh come, we'll oh, see." We <laughs> just back. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I don't think I have much more trivia, so maybe we can give a rating to this episode, and uh, and we can hmm. go from there. Okay. Um, I'll go first if you guys want. Um, I, I think this is a good episode. I think it's worth it, it's at least an eight and a half, maybe eight point. I'm gonna go eight point six for this. Jeff, do you have a rating? Um, seven point seven. Point seven. Uh, Jamil is uh, he he'll he, he's I don't know if he sent a rating. Okay, he probably hasn't seen it yet, so we'll get his rating later. Uh, Davin? I'm going to say eight. You're going eight? Like, you're same as last week. Yeah. Okay, and so that averages for the three of us tonight at an 8.1, so a, a little bit lower than last week's. Uh, as mentioned, Garrick Bernard wrote this, and uh, Jason Zurek. So they they really only seem to have like the three directors. Like they go from Jason, Kim, Bob, Jason, Kim, Bob. So there's like a rotation in terms of the directors that I guess when you're in animation, directing works a little differently uh, or what the role of the director is maybe compared to like a live action show. Um, yeah, because where's Frakes? Yeah, I don't think Frakes would ever direct an episode of this um, because right. I think I get the impression from animation directors that they're more driven by like, they might draw it if they ha- they want to show you what to do, right? Like they tend to be more illustrative, uh, in and it's more about directing animators, and maybe somewhat with voice actors. But um, that a lot of that gets laid down in advance, and then it come. It's about how you're how you're going to translate those audio recordings into um, the show later on, like how expressive a certain character is, what what they what they see, you know, bringing that all through. Hmm. I think. Anyway, makes sense. 
All right. Well, that's so that's uh, I think we'll, we'll probably be able to wrap up a little bit early tonight for this episode where pleasant fountains lie. Um, there's only three episodes left in season two of Star Trek Lower Decks, I think. Uh, we're only going to 10 episodes. So three weeks left before in October 20. Well, it can't be right because we still. Maybe there are maybe there's more than 10 episodes this season because on October 28th is the start of Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, Dad, mm-hmm. you're going to be covering that show with me and Jessica Chan starting on that date. Look forward to it. Yeah. So I think I it's going to be a good show, actually. <laughs> I would have thought Lower Decks would end and then maybe Prodigy would start. Mm. But maybe, maybe not. Um, there's often a little break in between these kinds of things, too. Sometimes, but in, in the case and in the case of Discovery, which is going to start two or three weeks after uh, Prodigy starts, so there's there is a lot coming up in terms of the new Star Trek shows we're going to be talking and reviewing here on Live Long and Podcast uh, in the coming days and months to come and even year. Uh, so we're looking on the horizon to Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Strange New Worlds and anything else that might come up um, in the meantime. Uh, plus, you should check us out on Monday nights. We talk about Star Trek, the original series, uh, along with uh, Jeff and I's dad, Ted. Uh, we also got Jody Simpson, Adam Woodward on that panel. Ashley Millard sits in as well. Uh, we only got five episodes left. We just talked about the Gamesters of Triskelion, an episode I had never watched before of the original <laughs> series. Um, which was Trelane. Tre- uh, no, that's the uh, Squire of Gothos. Oh, that is the Squire of Gothos. Gamesters of Triskelion is where they get like kidnapped and sent to like an, an arena gladiator world not to be confused with the roman oh. gladiator world right. um and right. the other thing you, I've, I've learned we've almost watched all 79 original series episodes and what i've learned throughout the whole experience is that um, there's really only like five or six types of original series episodes um you know like basically it's like uh, nazi episodes uh, <laughs> uh episodes where kirk gets like trap somewhere and basically spock's left in command and mccoy's just getting him shit the whole time that that was one of these episodes um that happens frequently or there's just episodes where uh you know like they, they, they have to talk a computer to death or they um i guess the other one is they just have to fight something fight <laughs> so uh but check that out every monday night we talk about a new episode of star trek the original series on tuesday nights we talk about star trek d space nine uh jeff uh you know we, we're talking about season four right now uh we just talked about the sword of Kalis last night and we're heading into next week we're gonna be talking about Armand bashir the james yep. bond one yeah right a great episode great episode so if you like if you like star trek Deep Space nine original series you can also check out the movies we've done podcasts for all those also check out davin's podcast on locuters of trek uh doing one this sunday davin with your debate your star trek debate show you want to tell a little, yes. little bit about that Sure, why not? We're going live. We're going to try the live streams. I was inspired by you guys. Oh, um, well, good. And a game we like to play on my podcast every now and then is Debate 9. And Dave's going to take part in that. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and on that note, before I even do that, you're going to be coming on to another one of our shows that's not star trek related specifically but we have a channel called 
Trivial Debates. This is a, a podcast Jeff and I created many years ago, um, and we are still going. Now we do it on a monthly basis, and so uh, it's like we have a movie round and we argue about movies. We have a sports round. We are, you know, there may be a there's a question around sports, and uh, and so there's a judge. Whoever makes those questions kind of decides who has the best answer and who gets to go there. So we got uh, Davin's going to be competing along with our friend Max Duda and Jessica Chan, who will. Be joining you and I on the Star Trek Prodigy panel when that comes up. Uh, we got some great questions coming up, including who is the greatest WWF slash WWE wrestler of all time? Uh, what what nostalgic gaming console do you think would still be fun to play? Uh, what artist? There's do you only think one has, answer. There's only one answer. Uh, to me, it's 64. Uh, what artist do you think has mastered their craft at the instrument that they play? That's the music question. Who was the best child actor in a TV series? Uh, in the movie category, we have what's the best musical of all time? And in the wild card, we're going to have 80s hair bands is Chris Seymour's favorite. He's asking who did it best. Uh, whoever already has can't wait. Get ready for Sunday. Whoever has poison, I think. Uh, we'll do the best. So check out that on Trivial Debates Sunday morning. And also, um, <laughs> we are in the we are in the the, the heat of it here in uh, uh, reality TV shows. We have a third channel called Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, where we talk we talk about shows not related to Star Trek. And we've been covering a uh, Big Brother USA season twenty three for like eleven weeks now. We're almost in the home stretch. The last two weeks. Uh, down to the final four. We're, tonight we'll be talking about the next eviction, final four eviction tonight at nine thirty, um, and next week uh, is the final like HOH plus Survivor season forty one just got kicked off this week. We did our draft on Tuesday night, and Jeff and Jamil covered the premiere last night on Super Mario Brothers podcasting. So we're we'll doing that once a week. It's uh, it's a condensed season, a lot of fun. If you're if you're not into Survivor, it's not too late to start. So, um, anyway, it's been on for a long time, and I, I, I'm, I'm this new season seems a lot of fun, and it's a lot less podcast than Big Brother, so that's good too. Anyway, that's it, um, and we're gonna sign off for tonight. Uh, live long and podcast. Thank you to Davin. Thanks to Jeff. Uh, uh, regrets from Jamil Robinson, who we'll see later tonight for the Big Brother podcast. And um, and on that note, maybe we need uh, we need a quote to take us out of here. Uh, how about the Royal Navy? There's is nothing safe. from Shacks. Nothing from Shacks. We were Shacksless in this. Yeah. Get out of my chair! Yeah. Why I didn't get over a Nate for me? <laughs> now I feel yeah. better. Thanks, Dave. No, no, yeah, no problem. I always got them at the ready. Okay, and uh, and and let's let's uh, let's give a huzzah, huzzah on our way out uh, for the night. Have a good one, everybody. The Royal Navy is saved. Let's hear it for Prince Andorithio and his calloused squire. Oh, thank you. <laughs>